Mike Kiss Army. Welcome to the Kiss FAQ Podcast. Thank you for giving us your time today. Nothing is into your head. I hope you don't do any damage. This is a Kiss-related podcast by the board for the board. We hope that you enjoy. Yo, this is New York. Welcome to episode 131 of the KISS FAQ podcast. I am your host as always, Julian Gill, admin on the FAQ message board, and I am joined by St. Louis KISS Lonnie and a, new, a new face today, Mets41. Scott, thank you for joining me, sir. Ah, uh, My name is Scott Engel, uh, actually 41 Mets on the board, Julian. It's a real pleasure to, uh, to be with you today in your championship Golden State Warriors hat. Well, thank you so much for saying something nice about them. Um, obviously, I've always got three questions that I ask new folk who come on our show so that people just get a little taste of you as a KISS fan. And, uh, you know, first one is, how did you get into KISS? What was your entry point into history? Probably like a lot of other people, uh, Julian, for me, it was uh, the Paul and Halloween special, was like, which was like the Ed Sullivan Beatles moment, really, for KISS. I just... Remember liking Paul Lynn when I was a kid on the Hollywood Square, just thinking he was funny, and you know my family sat down to watch the Paul Lynn Halloween special, and my mother was terrified uh, because she was always scared. She was always scared of the Wicked Witch anyway. But then when they introduced Kiss, uh, it 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 created a lifelong uh, hatred for her and a lifelong obsession with me. I was I was like, if you ever watched Beavis and Butthead, I was kind of like Butthead. I was just like, well, this is the coolest thing I have ever seen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, uh, moving on from that, what is your favorite Kiss album? If you got to pick one, I'd probably say Love Gun. Uh, a lot. It was the first Kiss album I ever owned, and for the first time I ever heard "I Stole Your Love." It was. It was just like you know. It was just like an instant, uh, instant obsession for me. Instant connection to the music. Uh, just love the love the album. Every song. Uh, you know, great stuff, plaster caster. Even 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 the stuff that some people can consider filler, I can listen to over and over and over again since I've been 11 years old. Well, why the hell not? Okay, final question is: What color of Kool Aid do you drink? Who is your favorite member of the band? It's blue. I love all the originals almost equally, but I think I'm an Ace Frehley fan a little bit more than maybe just everybody else. But they're all. Very, very close for me. Ace always looked cool, looked like he didn't care, and just, you know, played the tremendous, tremendous solos that, you know, maybe to other people technically, like, are not outstanding, but you just can't repeat them. It's, uh, you can sing them. It's, they're just incredible. Awesome. So that's a brief introduction to Scott. Well, thank you again for joining us. I'm just going to cover a little bit of brief, brief news. Number one. Reprint time. Anyone who missed the hardcover in 2006, um, I've got some more copies. Had them made up this year, and they include volume four. So if you're interested, do get in touch with me. You know where to find me. More importantly, in the context of what we're talking about today, is you remember this little Let Me Thank You book that we put together for Peter. It made it into his hands at the show. But if you were a contributor, who had a message included inside, and you want a copy of this? This is only available if you put a if you had a message included. Do get in touch with me before June the 30th, 
I've got a very limited amount of time that I want to deal with getting copies of this shipped out to everyone who contributed, and I need to order all of the copies that are available. Um, postage came out at 1550 for Canada and 2275 for the rest of the world. That's Australia and Iceland and Europe and everywhere else. Um, so do get in touch. Per unit, I think it was 1478. So there's the rough numbers. Do reach out so that I can get everyone who wants one a copy. Um, and, and then that's it. It's getting deleted. It's done. It's over. It's mission accomplished. So I do want to thank everyone who contributed, everyone who signed the book in person at the event. Thank you very much. Um, it's a gesture that I'm sure was very much appreciated by Peter after the show. And we're going a little bit backwards here as I'm starting at the end. He was very tired. He wasn't, you know, 100% that night, but he was very appreciative. And Gigi was absolutely wonderful in helping me just have a few moments with him to give him the book. And, um, you know, it was a very touching moment. So thank you all for your contributions. Let's get into today's show, which is obviously... Me Hour. Peter, Chris, in New York. <laughs> um, at the cutting room. Lonnie, you know, let, let's turn it over to you for. I like the drops you got going on this week. You're like, you're like Fred on the Stern Show or something. <laughs> the drops. Um, so both of you guys obviously went. Julian, you went. Obviously, you went to the expo and then stayed up there all week. Nope. You did not stay up. I thought you did. No, I just flew out strictly. I had to make a choice which one I was going to do. I could not afford to be out in New York for. Uh, for for a whole week. Okay. Never mind. <laughs> so uh, no, I flew out on the. Uh, when did I fly? I threw out on uh, on Thursday last week. Um, had a. I'd originally booked all my flights, my uh, hotel for the original date of the final show, and then they moved it by a day. And uh, you know, so I ended up having a day of sightseeing in oh. New York. And then uh, yeah. Scott, of course, lives in New York. In the area. Went to the Dress to Kill corner. I did. I mean, and everything, yeah. So yeah, what what ha- what happened was Lonnie is, uh, you know, I, I met up with Julian on on Friday, and uh, I showed him the Dress to Kill corner. And what was really interesting though is that when we went to the Dress to Kill corner, you know, I live in New York, so I've been there so many times that uh, there were actually other Kiss fans taking pictures at the corner. We actually met. Uh, a few people from the board, and then uh, we went over to the loft, and you know we've seen online that a lot of people like say you can't get into the loft anymore over the last few years because they've actually like put somebody there security-wise because so many people come by. I've gotten in, I, I got into the loft twice, like myself, a few years ago. Like the one time they let me in, All Worth Publishing is there, and they're like, "Oh, come in, that's great." You know, you know, we want to show you the history. Come around, and the next time I came in, I came with a bunch of friends. I rang the doorbell, they let me in, and they're like, what the hell are you doing here? That security throw us out. So Julian and I had a good time. Uh, He came over to – we we went for lunch after that. Uh, I'm actually like a uh, uh, full-time writer and sportscaster. I do fantasy fantasy sports on the Fantasy Sports Network and rotoexperts.com. I brought lunch – Julian for lunch in my studio. And anybody who's watching this or listening to this – Wants to play fantasy football? Check us out at rotoexperts.com. Uh, get our exclusive edge package and enter free radio at checkout for a discount for all you Kiss fans. I actually run a bunch of actually Kiss-related fantasy football leagues. 
Uh, so, uh, you know, Julie and I, uh, I showed him the studio, actually, where we broadcast out of. It's not impressive as uh, what Julian is broadcasting out of now with his background, but <laughs> I, thought, I, I thought he kind of liked it. Hey, man, you know, it was good food. It was a good scene, and there was a really, really good picture of Kiss up on the wall there, one there. Yeah, so. in Rockin' Riley's at the restaurant where the Fantasy Sports Network broadcasts out of, uh, they have like an original yeah, Lydia Chris photo on the uh, – on the wall. You, you look like a sports fan yourself, Lonnie. You're wearing a St. Louis Cardinals hat. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's kissing uh, sports. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a Met fan. Don't call me Ponscom, all right? How about that 2006 game <laughs> stuff? <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, I'll, I'll, ta- I'll take 86. That's all right. So, so you guys – so you spend the day in New York, and then you go to the event on Saturday night. So take us through the event. Do you guys – you guys have dinner first? What – how, how did the night how did the night progress? What, what was what was the scene? Well, after I, we after, after I'm sorry, Julie, you want to go or yeah, I, I'm going to go because I want to take a step back to the night before. I was actually oh, okay. uh, you know lucky enough to meet up with fellow Kiss author James Campion and have dinner yeah, with I him. Yeah, so we went out to a really you know really freaking cool place in uh, the East Village. Uh, had a couple of drinks and then went on to another place for a scotch and then went on for some dinner at this hole in the wall, you know, but once the doors opened, it was fantastic. So, you know, I had a really good time talking with James and obviously talking shop, talking writing, talking music. Um, fantastic. So I, I do want to give James a shout out and say thank you very much for your hospitality and showing me that part of the city and showing me some really, you know, a really cool pub. With a lot of literary connections, and um, better yet, a place with a an amazing amount of whiskeys to choose from. So, moving forward, next night we meet up. Uh, I think we got into line outside the cutting room at about half past four thereabouts. Um, you know, I had heard that we were supposed to be there for seating at about five thirty, and yeah, uh, it didn't quite work out that way. We're in line for two hours, and you know it was approaching 6:30 by the time it, it finally opened up. But you know what? There were so many cool people in line, so much, um, you know, just meeting new people, meeting people who you've known online, meeting all sorts of folks. Um, you know, just a really laid back vibe. I mean, there was no stress in that line. Uh, you know, Scott. I mean, come on, how many people did you, uh, you know, say hi to while we were there and introduce me to, which was wonderful as well. Thank you again for introducing me to the people that you know. And yeah, it was just awesome. You know. Yeah, we, we, like you said, we lined up about four thirty. Then, you know, people were already complaining. You know, because that's New York. You know, if, even if you don't live in New York. You know, you learn to take the New York vibe, and New Yorkers, like, they bond by complaining to each other. So, you know, starting about a quarter to six, everybody started complaining that the doors weren't open yet. But about, I think about a quarter after six, Julian, maybe they started opening, and uh, they, they were very efficient in getting us in. And, uh, you know, Gigi was up front actually greeting everybody, and it's amazing how she just knows, like, all Peter's fans, like, they're walking in, oh, oh, hi, Brian, oh, hi, Joe, oh, oh, hi, Julian, you know, things like that. And uh, she's saying to the people in, in the venue, she's saying, you know, these, these are really loyal fans of Peter, you know, they're at every local event, uh, you know, she, 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 she handles Pete's every move, but, uh, you know, she's really in tune with the fans. So, how many people are at this event? Uh, I would have to put it at under 300. I mean, I'm not nibbler. Really? I could probably eyeball it much more accurately. But maybe 275. I hope it was more, you know, because 
obviously i think we were in like the third the first 30 or so in line we got down there and it you know it wasn't massive the tail did grow substantially while we waited and and, and freaking hell it was i'd forgotten about east, east coast humidity and all that shit and it had pissed down in the afternoon raining i mean when we had lunch it had uh you know we'd taken cover just because it had started to rain so it was humid it was hot we get in and you know there's a there's a good crowd of people just waiting but you know it, it's not madison square garden quite neil diamond um audience <laughs> side was it so no i just wonder like how intimate of, of an evening it was it sounds like it was a pretty intimate evening with that Oh, it, it was, it was really like like a dinner theater sort of sort of vibe you know you uh you know all these tables set up with like candlelight on them it's like it's like julian i like you a lot but you know I, i'm not here to get romantic with you right. like, i'm here to get peter chris but they had all all these tables like one of your classic uh new york small type of venues you know intimate intimate from for music and uh yeah it, it, it was really raining a lot that day you know i think julian must have made at least three i can't stop the rain jokes uh you know throughout the <laughs> afternoon <laughs> yeah without a doubt and, and you know thank god we got to uh, we took the subway down to 8th and 23rd for the justice guild corner and we just got there in time i guess because when we got got out of the subway on the other end coming back it was pouring so and that was it until i think about 4 15 or so it, it was absolutely pouring down but going into the cutting room you know i gotta hand it to them for really picking what was a cool venue it wasn't the king's lounge it was way better i mean it had great ambiance it was a stylish kind of place but it wasn't too fancy it wasn't anything that you would expect it, it didn't contrast the wrong way against sort of what we all expect peter's personality to be you go in there's wood floors there's decorative stuff up on the walls a nice background and everything the tables are all set up like scott said with the you know the candle which uh you know, just a nice touch you know for dinner kind of dinner and a show type thing you, um you know nice hostess waiting to check you in with your, your tickets and Gigi there making sure that everyone's being taken care of you know here's respect to Gigi. you know we'll talk a little bit more about her probably but without her this event would not have happened and how she took care of everyone coming in and making sure that everything was smooth and everything was running good and everything was you know staying nice and cool and relaxed you know you, you just got to give her props straight off from the start of this show that without her this would not have happened yeah I, you, you can see like uh she's very on top of uh what everything peter does but you know in a good way she wanted to make sure everybody was comfortable and she came up to julian and you know said you know greeted him at, at our table and was greeting everybody at their tables you know i uh i, I got i got to meet her briefly it was like the second time in two weeks because you know, I was at the expo the week before, you know, got a got an autograph uh, photo from Peter uh, the week before with personalized. And, you know, she was very, very cool. I was joking with them at the expo about Peter's role on Oz, you know, and things like that. But she's very, very in tune. You know, I'm sure Julie will get to it later. But afterwards, she just took so much time to make sure that everybody that she knew there or didn't know was was very, very 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 comfortable you know she's she's peter's manager like un, i guess unofficial manager but you know if she doesn't have any experience like doing it certainly doesn't show that's really cool um you know Gigi gets a lot of bad mouthing on different boards and different facebook pages and that you know so it would 
so for you guys to have firsthand experience with her and see how how cool she was and how in touch with the with the guests um that's that's great to hear for for any kiss fan yeah it's a wife it's a wife that really you know i'm gonna be blunt here it's a wife that really loves her husband you know and supports his every move and if you're gonna badmouth that well then there's something anywhere that there's something wrong with you because you know behind behind every you know successful man a lot of successful men is a good woman i mean i know my my wife like really supports my career and i even told Gigi that myself it's uh and if anybody to badmouth that i know firsthand from experience that you know that uh you know you just there's something wrong with you if you badmouth that just my opinion and there was no difference between how she was acting you know this past week than in la in uh, january you know, I, I thanked her then. I said, thank you for taking care of Peter. Thank you for being that gatekeeper that he needs, for being that that uh, that buffer so that only the legit, you know, people, whether they're interviewers or whatever, and I've never gotten an interview, by the way, um, <laughs> you know, that only the people that she thinks are going to best represent Peter and take care of his needs and make sure that he's treated in the right way get through to him. And you really got to hand it to her because otherwise, you know, people in Australia – in Melbourne recently and in New York. And of course, those of us went to the cutting room have been, you know, blessed by what she has done to put on the events, to have the events happen with Peter being, you know, back out in front. And that goes for all the signings he's done over the years as well. You know, so respect. Well, Julian, wasn't it you that said to me at some point during the day though, that, you know, that it's good that she's there for him because, you know, Peter's feel like he's been, he's been burned a lot in his life. Absolutely. And, and, and that's one of the key things we, we get that impression it's in his book. So I'm not trying to, you know, project or make shit up or anything. You get the feeling that Peter always, um, you know, has not necessarily felt that he's gotten a good deal while well, she's making sure that he is. Yep. Very cool. So you guys get into the venue. You're seated. Last front row table. Thank God. You know, it was a little, oh, bit, yeah. little bit on the end of the stage, uh, but it actually turned out to be a fantastic seat to get as well. I had had the option that I had a VIP band, but, you know, I, I decided to sit with Scott. Couldn't leave him on his own. Uh, <laughs> Julie, where are you going? Don't leave me alone. No. <laughs> did, did, yeah, I didn't want to sit with the special people, but, well, you know, right right on the end of the stage, uh, I think there are only about five tables in front of the stage. It, it's not that big of a, a footprint, so everyone who was up there on that first row had a good a good seat. I think the people who were behind us um, in the first kind of like uh, cluster of tables also had a good seat, and then the ones behind that were raised up tables. Really good layout, really cool. Very, very attractive, very intelligently yeah. designed, I thought. Yeah, and if you would, if you actually, you know, like, like Julian said, we, there were five tables, like, in the front, and we were, like, the last one on the left. So we were just in front of, like, the keyboards and, like, one of the speakers, like, right there, bam. And actually, if Julian would have sat in the VIP section, he probably would have got as good of a view as he did where, if, uh, if he didn't sit where, uh-huh. where we sat. Oh, absolutely. Agree. Totally. Very cool. That's awesome. So you got great seats. You're sitting at your table. What happens next? Do they bring out food? Do they bring out, have the opening band? How's it go? Yeah, for, first thing that comes out, you know, um, we had a, a gentleman who sat with us. Uh, Gigi asked if we'd mind having this uh, uh, gentleman join our table, a friend of hers. Um, I don't, don't think we need to mention who he was. Um, and salads come out, you know. So this was dinner and a show. So straight off, 
I want to mention there was a lot of bitching and moaning about the price of this show. 275 was the ticket cost and uh, obviously tax and all the fees that go with it. Eddie Trunk raised a really good point on his show this week on uh, Sirius FM, I think it was, um, that it was actually a really, really good deal. In that, you got your beer. So in your beer or your drink, nine bucks, ten bucks or more if you're having uh, something stronger. So, and you're in New York, too. And you're in New York. Yeah. And after that, be more than that. You get, you're getting a three-course meal. Okay, so it's a garden salad first, um, but you're in New York. And followed by, I, I think we had our choice of salmon, uh, pasta. Chicken, sirloin. And the sirloin, which uh, which I went with, which was really good, surprisingly. I was expecting something a little bit like out of a catering truck that had been kept warm all afternoon in the humidity and ended up looking like my hair was that night. Um, but it was actually really tasty with fingerling potatoes and green beans. And then afterwards was a little uh, selection tray of uh, sweets. Um, you know, I think a cupcake and uh, some other stuff, you know, so basically what you'd probably pay, uh, it, it tasted better, shall I say, than what I had at a steakhouse the night before that I paid 100 bucks for. So I'm going to say 110 bucks for your booze and your food and your tips and all that um, straight off the straight off the bat. So that ticket price is now down to under 175 for me. Yeah, and uh, 275 look, if you want to be there, you know, you're going to pay it because it's a once-in-a-lifetime experience. And 110 bucks, trust me, you know, I work in Manhattan. You know, that's, uh, believe me, the Burger King around the corner ain't much cheaper. Well, no, I'm sure I'm <laughs> sure you can I'm, – I'm, I'm quite sure that that doesn't go a long way. So No, it, it doesn't. It's, it, that's why we have a microwave at the office. <laughs> no doubt. So, so it starts out, you know, with with your salad and your food. Everyone's still coming in, getting seated. Um, Gigi's running around taking care of everyone. They're getting everyone set. But again, there, there was no super hustle and bustle inside. It was mellow. It was relaxed. It was, you know, it was like a club from the '60s or something. I don't know. Um, just really relaxed atmosphere. The fans were just, uh, you know, just fucking awesome. Everyone there in that room was you know there for peter chris which made it really 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 cool and you know the, the number of people who i got to met, to meet you know salads are being served people are coming up to you saying hi you're looking around you're waving at people that you know um and then what um sister's doll do an opening set right is that how yeah. it's got yeah, Sisters Doll came out first. Uh, I didn't know they were actually going to open up. You know, these guys from Australia. I met two of them at, at the expo, uh, Brandon and Bryce, uh, the week before. And, you know, I'm very skeptical when, when, it, when it comes to new bands and uh, things like that. These guys had I really had a vibe. You should really check them out if you're a KISS fan because I think they were perfectly handpicked by Peter because they, they, they were was, was sort of like a pop slash metal sort of groove with kind of like a, a the, you know, Kiss fans like, look, we love anthems, right? The, these guys sang anthems, you know, they sang, sang songs like Strut and stuff like that. Their energy was absolutely incredible. Uh, they were very tight, played in tune with each other. They, they almost have like an 80s glam look to them, uh, like two of them, and the lead singer has like this, you know, this big, uh, this big like red-haired afro, 
he looks a little different than the rest of them. But uh, they, they grooved. You know, the drummer is really good. Bryce, the drummer is really good. And you know, I didn't know that was the same uh, the same band that was actually going to be backing up Peter. They got to play four of their own songs, and they were really good. I definitely recommend checking them out. Yeah, you sent me some some of uh, a link for some of their stuff earlier this week, and it really sounded surprisingly really good. And, and it sounded like a band that that was fit or you know for for what Peter was looking for for these final two performances. It really kind of fit with Peter's style. Yeah. So so they so so with uh, you know the sisters doll. Um, I didn't know nothing about them before going in. I know they had backed him in Melbourne. I know that they have backed um, Bruce Kulik on his Australian tours. I know they're a very young band. They're three brothers from Western Australia, Perth, which is like the middle of fucking nowhere, if if you think of where they're located in the world, far west coast of Australia. They are actually like the, they're the bastard children of if Kiss got together with Motley Crue and had a baby, these guys would be it. Uh, so I hadn't checked out any of their music. They do this four-song set at the beginning. Um, and I think it's important to you know give them a little bit of publicity here for, for everything that the, the, this podcast can do to help them. Because obviously we've been fans of a band that's you know 40 years on. This is a band that's young. Again, it needs the attention. So let's do our bit to promote their career, which... Um, you know, it's only the right thing to do for what they've done for Peter. So four songs together. By the way, sorry, real, real quick, Julian. I just want to point out to you, Lonnie, that Julian spent three days in New York and now he's already learned to talk like a New Yorker. It's like, I I would listen to Julian before and he would say, I, I wouldn't know anything about them. And then when you asked him about sisters, doll, he said, I didn't know nothing about them. Oh, you got to be off on them that quick. Yeah. Oh, you got to remember, I was upstate New York for ten years, so maybe it's all coming back. It's uh, subconsciously it is, it is. coming back to the service here. So they put four songs together. Uh, together is one strut, seen the light, and their new single, uh, good to, good day to be alive. So I got a lot of multimedia queued up today, and obviously I can't. I I do have the full show, but uh, here's a little bit of strut, thirty seconds worth. Okay, so they worked the audience really well. And this is Brennan, Austin, and Bryce, obviously, brothers. Um, you know, respect, guys. You know, good job. Excellent. Yeah, I, I really I really enjoyed this set. Good energy. It's like, like he said, it's kind of like the bastard child of Motley Crue Kiss. And I think I throw the Bay City Rollers in there a little bit, too. <laughs> and a touch of ACDC, of course. <laughs> So they play four songs. You guys are obviously impressed. Does so? What happens next? Is, is the main course next? Did you already have the main course? I don't remember where the fucking food. Goes. I, I think we were. I think we were all done with the food by by. We're all done with the food by yeah, that point. They, with the time they yeah, came they, out for the opening act. Okay. They, they sold. They sold. They gave us a little dessert plate, you know, oh, which had like little different stuff on it. But by the time the sisters' doll, uh, you know, were on, you pretty much forgot about the food. 
Gotcha. I'm just trying to see where we're at needed. So they play four sets. How long before Peter comes out and joins them? Right afterwards. The moment. Right afterwards. The, the moment they finish their last song, the rest of the musicians come on stage. Uh, that's uh, keyboards Alex Altsman, um, guitarist Eric Rudick, and three strings players, three horns. Everyone assembles, final tunings, and they're ready. That you know, it only takes a few minutes. I, it was a surprisingly fast switch over because obviously, uh, you know, ev- everyone was just getting into position. Yeah, no equipment to change out or anything like that. It's no, just, yeah. just adding some musicians. Yeah, I comment. I commented to Julian about that. It was very professional. A lot of times you go to a show and you wait for a changeover, and it's like painful, you know. And they're setting up and testing everything. Yeah, you know, everything was ready by the time we walked in, and they transitioned really qu- quickly from the sisters doll to Peter. Yeah, that's cool. That's you. Yeah, especially after you guys have been sitting there for a while. I'm sure that was refreshing. Yeah, you, so, you know, to a certain extent, it's just they come on, they pick up their instruments, they just check that their pedals are in the right position, their amps are where they should be, and boom, they're waiting until, you know, um, you know, Peter's ready to go. And, you know, it probably, you know, within a couple of minutes, you get this. Yo, I play this at the top of the show to, <laughs> to, to bring us in, but uh, holy fuck. When when that just happened, uh, right after that on the recording, I go all fanboy. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like like Julian's all like this serious guy, you know, a, a lot of the time, and it's like great to hear him talk all his facts and everything, and you know, like we're online and he's scoping things out, and he's like, I think there are 27 people uh, exactly in front of us. He's all this like this serious guy, but as soon as Peter comes out, man, it's like you get to see the real fun side of him. Forget about it. Freaking spun, <laughs> SpongeBob of rainbows coming out of my eyes. I'm like, Peter Chris. Meow. <laughs> 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 so, so Peter Peter walks on stage. You know, um, the band has started playing the intro to "I Can't Stop the Rain," which we kind of knew was going to come um, as the first song. And they're doing the acoustic-y musical intro. And there's a guy with a flashlight, you know, making way for Peter, who slowly walks from behind and comes up on the side of the stage. And we're off to the races. Yeah, it was, uh, it was very, very, it was very, very cool. Uh, you know, Peter, like, you know, came, came on stage, you know, played to the crowd a little bit. Everybody's going crazy. They're chanting his, his name. And uh, it, it was it was it was a great way. It was a, I think it was the perfect way to start the show with with that song. I mean, everybody there, like 300, 350 people, like Julian said, and they know every song that he does. And, uh, you know, a lot of the core fans, you know, especially the ones of the Kiss Fact talk about how I can't stop the rain. You know, it was one of their favorite Peter tunes. And this this was the same kind of crowd The people you see on the board. Those were the core uh, diehard people that were there. Yeah, we did a show a few months ago talking about what songs we would want Peter to do at these final performances. And we all agreed that I Can't Stop the Rain was a must in the set list, at least somewhere. I don't think any of us chose that. It, I don't think any of us thought before we played that Australian show that it would open the show. But we all agreed it had to be in there because it's such a it's out. It's by far the best song on a 78 solo album and one of the best songs he's ever 
put out there, period. So it's, it's one of the best songs in the Kiss-related catalog, period, for me. Always has been. Um, I was asked, what is that one song that if Peter does a solo show that you want to hear? And it's just, name that one song, Julian. Didn't take a second. I can't stop the rain. I didn't have to think about it. it. It's as simple as that. But for him to come out and play that song straight off the bat, and and again, we have the experience of Melbourne before us to kind of know how the night was going to go. We'd heard that there was going to be a couple of changes, maybe, but you just never know until you're actually in there and experiencing it. Um, we knew that he had knocked it out of the park a few weeks before. So he goes into it. And he's emotional. You could see, at, at least from where I'm sitting watching him, his face is like just full of emotion. He's interacting with the crowd, you know, fist pump. He's proud. And, you know, I, I was freaking tearing up because it was just such an emotional moment to have him walking out on a stage in New York City. And, and that's the key here. In New York. The guy who never really left New York. He's still a New Yorker at heart. He hasn't gone L.A. or Hollywood like Gene and Paul to a certain extent. And I'm not denigrating them in any way. He's very much stayed with his roots. To be walking out for his final show, he chokes up. And as we know from the, the video and the recordings now, um, makes a bit of a, a, you know, a meal of the first part of the song. But after that, he starts building in confidence and he's singing. His band backs his ass up, and that's why I respect Sister Do Sister's Doll so much, is they kept him going, they brought him back on track, and he just took the energy from that and really channeled it into a killer performance. You know, the, the second half of the song was absolutely spot on. His vocals were strong, and he's sick as a dog. You know, he is not well. Um... And his energy is building, and he's looking out at the audience and hopefully feeding off our energy and just absolutely doing a wonderful job. Yeah, and uh, to your point about, you know, playing at home in New York, uh, I remember, uh, you know, you guys remember the last kiss from the farewell tour uh, at the Meadowlands in 2000. I was actually at that show, and uh, Peter had a lot of his hometown friends from New Jersey there and his neighbors and, you know, people that he knew. And I felt like he put on like one of his best performances ever at that show. And it was mm -hmm. the same sort of vibe at this intimate venue because it was, there were a lot of people that he knew, you know, uh, Julie and I got actually got to meet one or two of them, you know, a lot of local people. It was not only the fans, but like also his friends and his family. It was, it was, it was Peter's people and he he was at home. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, that Meadowlands 2000 is actually the exception. People always talk about how, well, they didn't sound good on the farewells. Well, that Meadowlands 2000 show is the exception to the rule. That's a fantastic show in my opinion. But yeah, I was, I was there both nights that night. Like, well, the second night was okay. The first night was, like, tremendous. And Peter was really, really in top form, like, playing enthusiastically because he knew people in the audience were there were just specifically to hear him. So but, yeah, I kind of, like, backtracked in my mind to that 2000 show, you know, when uh, Julie was talking about that. Totally. Mm -hmm. Home field advantage, right? For yeah, sure. there you go. Another sports reference. <laughs> there you go. And that's why I wear my L.A. Kiss hat today. That'll be a collector's item. It, it, it already is. They're already <laughs> defunct, unfortunately. So, I Can't Stop the Rain. He goes into Hooked on Rock and Roll. 
Well, oh, let, let, what happened? Never mind. Go ahead. Let me just give you a little bit of uh, audio from in between. You know, his res- sure. his kind of emotional response. Here's a little bit of audio. This feels comfortable. Sir. He's just like, ah, this feels comfortable, or something to that effect. I, I can't quite hear it on the recording, but yeah, he he goes, you know, straight into hooked on rock and roll off again off the '78 album. I think it's one. Again, with knowing them over and set list that we were expecting, but to actually hear it in person with the horns, to hear it yeah. with the full band treatment was, um, you know, absolutely stunning. I, I want to play a, a quick sample from that song because I just found the power of that was impressive. Here's a little bit of uh, Hooked on Rock and Roll and Peter finding his power. You got everything that going great. on. Yeah, you got the boogie going from the keyboard. We're right there with the keyboard player. And I think we got Brennan from the band right next to him. Uh, you know, and, and the faces. These guys were having a blast playing this. And this is where Peter's voice really starts coming through. He's gotten through the nerves. Um, he's gotten through. He's been vaccinated with the Victrola Neal. Thank God, because that really helped him for the rest of the show when he's under the weather. And he just starts, you know, he's standing up straighter. He's getting it, you know, he's fronting a band. And I think that one of the most important things to really think about Peter Chris is this is his second solo show. His second solo show. He has never been a solo artist. As a member of Chris, he had a band. Um, mm-hmm. And while it was similarly structured in some ways for this uh, presentation in Melbourne and in New York City, he's fronting the band and really carrying it on his shoulders. He's not sitting behind the drum kit the whole time. And when's the last time he performed live before this? I think it was. Uh, I think it was. Did he perform solo in like '93 at the Ritz? Yeah, in New you, York City. But but in terms of since leaving Kiss, his last show was 2003. 2003 yeah. on his yeah. birthday in Fresno, December the 20th, opening for Aerosmith. After that, he shows up for Eddie Trunk's 30th anniversary. He does a couple the Rob of Rob Zombie thing a year or so ago. So very little playing. Remember that? Yeah. Very little. No full sets. No being in fully control and all the focus being on him. So to come out and do, you know, obviously I can't stop the rain as the opening into hooked on rock and roll. It's all on his shoulders and he's embracing it. He's practiced. He's rehearsed the fuck out of this at SIR. We know that. Yeah. He worked. You can see it. And a, a, a lot of people on the board were asking, you know, when did Peter start playing the drums in the show? And for how many shows, that, for how many songs did he play the drums? This is where he actually like stepped behind the drums and started grooving and, and uh you know getting into it and, you know just and you could see it's just like uh, peter gets all that criticism for how he he drummed like on the farewell tour and stuff like that during the reunion i never saw a bad show from him and there were a lot of people that were skeptical and saying well we don't know if we can play anymore and stuff like that i'm like i know he's preparing this he's gonna do good you know i never saw a bad peter chris show live and uh you know pete he had definitely you know worked up to this and 
immediately when he got behind the drums for Hooked on Rock and Roll, you could see he was still that same guy from New York. Like, he still had it. Like, throughout the night, Julian kept yelling at the stage, you still got it, Peter, you still got it. And it was like, it was evident from the first, you know, first guy got, uh, for the first time he got back there for Hooked on Rock and Roll. You know, the original KISS members, they were all unique and special in a certain way. And the reason why they picked Peter, why Gene and Paul handpicked Peter was, is because he was more than just a drummer. He was he was a front man from behind the kit. And you could, as soon as he started playing Hooked on Rock and Roll, you could see he was still that same guy. Absolutely. So he's behind the drums for Hooked on Rock and Roll. Goes in the strange way, stays behind the drums. Well, here's here's just a little bit of uh, of uh, after hooked on rock and roll. It's, it's a really good thing. Ties in a little bit with current affairs with James Comey and CNN and all that shit. You know, it's uh, his response to yes, we are indeed hooked on rock and roll. wanted to include that little snippet you know the guy yelling number three by the number, way was me was it <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't remember i edited myself out because when i was listening back to this like holy fuck, fuck you loser you have everything you hate about <laughs> tapers um you know the audience and the energy peter peter chanting peter no one was chanting to get more out of him it was all chanting in appreciation of him. And he was like, oh, Lordy, what have, what have I got myself into? You know, it's uh, but he was doing so well. It was impossible not to chant his name. And there was no bullshit in that chant. It was all love. Yeah, it was uh, you know, people were chanting his name, like like he said. And, uh, you know, it, it was just a great set for like the people that were there, like Julian and myself. It's like. You know, Julian saw me going crazy, like, uh, you know, right next to him. It's like I knew every single word of every single song. And Brendan uh, from Sister's Doll kept looking at me and pointing and singing along with me. After the show, Brendan said to me, I was feeding off of you. You knew the words to every darn song we played. <laughs> <laughs> Heck, yeah. So, Strange Ways. You know, what can I say about Strange Ways other than I'm going to play a sample and it's heavy as fuck. He's behind the kit, isn't he? Mm-hmm. And yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong, because I don't remember. He was up, back, you know, all over the. Peter was all over the fucking stage that night, you know, behind the kit, in front of the mic, you know. Oh, Got to get back behind the the kit, so it, it's easy to lose track of where he was. But that was heavy as fuck and really well executed. Again, the whole band really brought all the energy to that uh, performance of the song. So. Really cool pick. It's not one that I would have picked for him to perform at, on a solo show. Um, just personal taste. But when it went down, 
and the solo. Oh my god, it just worked perfectly. It wasn't an Ace analog solo, it was kind of a modern take on it, which was, you know, really well done. Yeah, and, you know, I've seen Ace do this song several times with his solo band, so, you know, I was very interested to see what Peter's take on it was. And it shows the full breadth and scope of who Peter Chris is. Like, one minute he's playing I Can't Stop the Rain, and, you know, the next minute, you know, he's, you know, he's meddling it down to strange ways. That's the versatility of who Peter Chris is and, you know, why he's so special in the history of, of of kiss to me you know it's like uh when you hear all the original members in this solo shows to me like ace and peter they still have something special and peter had something special that night that shows you know why they're part of the original magic they all brought something to the band and i think they all still have a lot of it for sure for sure there's, there's a chemistry about that original band that's like that's like no other so and peter played a huge role in that so from Strange Ways in the Strutter. Holy shit. Uh, here, here's a little bit of in between Strange Ways into in Strutter. The so obviously the audience were demanding refunds by this point. Fuck that. We we're all going. 275 was too much. No, we were going. We were, we were like, here, here's more money. We didn't pay enough for this. Holy shit. Um, so, into Strutter. Gene and, will like hearing that, yeah. Yeah, well, it, Gene, you play like every year uh, with Kiss, and Peter hasn't. So, kind of, there's the difference in that this is something completely unexpected and unusual. And that's no better illustrated than Strutter. You know, I'm thinking, okay, this is one of the original Holy Trinity songs from the band. I was doing writing my set list down, and I'm like fucking writing Deuce down. I'm like, what the hell's the matter with me? Uh, ordered another beer. Um, <laughs> so into Strutter, and here's the first time that you really get to hear what Peter's doing with his show. It's got the violins. It's got the violence. You know, everything that Paul Stanley said about the 2003 Symphony which I thought was juvenile and crap, all of a sudden you've got an orchestral backing for Kiss music, and I'm like, oh my god, that really works. It's really complementing the heavy music, the thunder rock, and also bringing in a different dynamic that kind of plays to Peter's background of big band and swing. So I want to play an intro and then we'll talk about it. Okay, Peter Chris on the fucking drums and, you know, the Sisters Doll backing up on vocals. But for me, that worked way better in terms of sonic dynamics than Melbourne Symphony did. I talked to what one Symphony should have sounded like. Yeah, it, it was. I asked one of the, the brass players, I mean, who did the charts for this? Because they, yeah. were, they were off the frickin' hook. Um,. And that was a small group as well. That wasn't like the MSO Ensemble, um, who had all the firepower they needed. These cats are obviously New York players. 
just unbelievable. So who and I think he mentioned that it was an Australian guy who who did the original stuff for this to work it all out for the band. But you know that for me and and it's very subjective. It's you know what are your tastes? This worked way better. Yeah, and it's also very illustrative, like I was saying, of who Peter is. You know, Peter's a guy that comes from a rock slash jazz background, and this was this was a perfect showcase for who he is because he's rocking, but he's got horns with it. And it just it, it to me it sounded perfect. I, I had never heard Strutter like that. Like some of my favorite Peter moments, like one of my favorite Peter moments, like before this was like Beth on Unplugged because it just showcases how unique he is and how he put his emotion into this, his voice that night. How he's authentic. This showcased who Peter Chris was. He came from a unique background and he could rock and he could throw horns behind it. It was perfect. That's that's perfect, Peter Chris. I mean, that's those horns like that with Peter Chris, and that that like defines who Peter Chris is to me. It's hard, but it's but it's you know swingy and jazzy at the same time with those horns. It sounds. I mean, it's like defines Peter in my opinion. So he comes up from behind the kid after Strutter. Yep. And does you matter to me? No, don't you let me down. Subless FM is backwards then. Well, they weren't there. They, they weren't there, and they rely on other people. You know. Yeah, I think if you go to the Kiss FAQ and you go to one of the oh, threads, yeah, you know, one, one of the out, threads where someone uh, was actually there. There's a picture of the set list. Yeah. It's, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's the it's a thread where you put uh, Kiss multimedia, Julian. Oh, the whole, yeah. the whole set list is right there. Yes. Yeah. Well, so are we. So, um, yeah. Don't you let me down, which was actually the, the song I was least looking forward to. It's never been one that I've enjoyed particularly, but. Seeing it live, experiencing it live, and seeing Peter sing it, and again, give his heart, you know, heart behind the hands, off, you know, his last solo album. You know, all of this was coming through this evening. So even the songs that maybe weren't on kind of my top shelf of the material that I'd want to hear from Peter, I thoroughly dug, I and I want to just play, you know, a sample of this. You can sing along, Scott, because I'm going to edit you out when I over overlay the audio. <laughs> but, you know, it, it was impossible not to just be like swaying along with Peter, Chris. And I mean, again, fanboy. Yeah. And also now maybe you can help me here because I can't remember what, what, what was it like Peter, like for the songs that he, he stepped to the front, and let the other people play the drums and he was vocalizing. He always had something in his hands to like play along. What's that thing that you have that you hit? You know, it's I can't remember it. It's what is it called? It's uh, he was like baby, boom. You know, it's, he had oh, to have yeah, something. Yeah, he had a he had a wood block for that one. But yeah, uh, he had a wood block for that one. That's he had a wood block, and he was he was actually like tapping on on the on the wood block, so which was really cool. And you could really see when you talk about the backing band, like how much they had rehearsed or how much they knew the material because they knew the exact timing on the background vocal. 
balls. You remember that guy who was shouting, Peter Chris on the drums! Well, yeah, he's, on this one, it yeah. would have Peter Chris on the percussion! Peter Chris on the woodblock! Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, a- after this one, you know, again, really good response from the audience. And then we get into one of the best moments in the show. It's um, It's twofold. Number one is we all start chanting Peter, Peter, Peter. Again, it's another solo album song uh, that he's done. And then he gets into the introduction to You Matter to Me, which was dedicated to a Japanese fan who had gone to Melbourne, had flown out to New York as well. And uh, apparently, or his story is that she asked for them to do the next song. But here's the uh, little intro section. I'd like to do this song for a wonderful lady who's been following KISS for a good 40 years, 30 years from Tokyo. Okay, so we're we're next table over there, aren't we, really? Um, From who he dedicated You Matter to Me to, which was not performed in Australia. So this is a new song. Um... I, I, I can't remember for the life of me if this had ever been performed anywhere else. I don't think it had been. So I don't, I don't think it has, no. But it was just an amazing moment, and she was so emotional and respectful of this. And, you know, what what made for me this so special was at the end of the evening, after the show, um, I had a chance to get a few more people to sign the book, and she was the very last person to put a dedication into Peter and she's like what do I put I'm, I butchered my Japanese I used to speak a lot of it I just completely blank because I was so messed up by the evening by that point um, just like just say anything um, and she did and just to know that that was the last thing written in that special book for Peter and that he had dedicated the song it's just one of those very cool moments I want to play a little bit of You You Matter to Me because it's one of my favorite songs off the album Okay, so uh, kind of a little bit out of time. Uh, background vocals from the audience. <laughs> you guys are all background vocals in the audience are on time. <laughs> I must, I must, I must admit, uh, I am guilty. That was, I was the guy who actually, I'm sitting right, right next to Julian. I go, yes, you do, like really loud. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. I mean, it's, it just adds to it so much. I hope it comes through in the, the recording if they release it. I hope they do release it because it's just uh, insanely good. And and uh, you know he was talking about the uh, the lady who he dedicated to. Like he was telling the backstory there. If, uh, if he couldn't make it totally out from the audio, like Peter supposedly known her from Japan for like a forty year period, and she flew over to the show. And again, you know, you talk about the history of the band, Lonnie. It's like. You know, I felt it was so much tied into this, you know, as much as, you know, some people in KISS really want to, like, you know, put put Peter aside in, in, in band history. You can't you, you, you can't 
revise history. There's no revisionist history. You know, Kiss was so big in Japan, uh, you know, especially for that 76, 77 tour and everything happened in Budokan. It's, you know, there are people that just like in America, you know, that have adored the band for years and followed them. And this was a diehard fan from Japan. And this, again, this was another authentic Peter Chris moment. No doubt. Um, I, th I think Peter is the most underappreciated of all the members of the band of all time. I think we've, we've done things on here before. We're saying like we listed like our three favorite drummers one day, I think, you know, and, and put them in order. And, and I, and I, and I, and Julian did the same thing. We put both put Peter Chris number one because he's the sound. He's, he's the heart and soul of all those songs that makes kiss kiss from the seventies. So I think, he, I think he's very underappreciated. So um, I'm actually really jealous of you guys right now. So <laughs> I, I, I mean, I, I'm still walking on like cloud way up here. You know, I'm sure. You know, he's the backbeat of the originals era of the band. However, anyone wants to describe technical skill, forget it. It's a, it's all about the feel. It's all about the music. And you know, right after that song he gave thanks to everyone and this was an underlying theme of the performance again that he didn't ever forget to keep thanking the audience thanking the fans thanking his fortunes um so here's what he had to say for you for me for all the fortunes you've given me And there's a reason why I'm leaving a lot of these Peter chants in, that it's it's very important to recognize that people were here celebrating Peter Chris. They weren't chanting Kiss, even though that is obviously the very important part of his professional career and what made him. It was about showing him personal appreciation and everyone there in between every single song started chanting his name. Except maybe a couple of the VIPs, but you know. I was a guy back there to drink my cup of tea. Right. Yeah, and Julian's talking about like he's he's still on a high. It's like now that we're doing this show, and it's a real honor for me to be be on this show. Thanks for including me because I've been a member of the board since 2006. But you know, I'm feeling the high again. It's like. You know, some people like to get high different ways. I get high by going to like kiss-related shows, and I'm back on a high just talking about this. Like, I, I have like a, what a lot of people consider like this great job where, you know, I'm a fantasy football and baseball and you know NASCAR host and uh, and writer like seven days a week. You know, Monday I go back to work and I'm supposed to talk sports with people love to do for a living, and I'm slugging because I'm coming down from the high of the Peter Chris show. <laughs> I mean, I, I totally know that feeling because, I mean, I had the exact same thing. I mean, I'm sitting on the plane. I'm listening to the show over and over and over. I mean, I listened to the show three times on the flight back, and I'm just like, wow. holy shit, it really was as good as three I thought times, it was. Three times. That's Peter's lucky number. There three, you go. Three times, Peter, just for you. I mean, I only had three hours of sleep as well that night. So Three? Um, yeah, I saw, you in the, I saw you checked in at the airport early in the morning, Sunday morning. I was like, Damn, that was a quick turnaround. <laughs> I was like, you know, what was it about? You know, um, let's jump a little bit forward because we, we left the show and it must have been getting towards midnight. And I'm, I'm like, I got a freaking flight. I can't stay out. I got to, you know, I got to be up. I got to be on the train to get to the, uh, you know, go through all that shit. Um, 
the fuck? <laughs> oh, sorry. Tangent. Oh, no, that's okay. In fact, I enjoy this. It's like, you know, during my regular broadcasting days, you know, like throughout the week, you know, I, we can't curse like this, you know, so it, it's refreshing. It's like, it, it, we, uh, it's too bad Peter you know, like didn't say the one thing that you and I were talking to. He always said, he loves to use the word bastard. It's like, I, 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 I just wanted to hear one night, one, one part of the night, I love you, bastards. I mean, we, we didn't get it. Oh, <laughs> he was probably downstairs where he said it after the show. God, oh, I can't make yeah. fucking bastards happy. Yeah. All these bastards are making me come back out. I can't believe it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Lonnie, bring us back on track. So, Hooligan. Oh, my God. Um, same as Strutter. I'm going to play the intro to this, and then let's talk about it. Okay, that was uh, the guitar approaching ace tone there. Really, but not ace, obviously. Um, getting in the zone. But Peter Chris on the drums, flailing away. You know, we're, what, 10 feet away? We're not even 10 feet away from him, are we? No. And he is just playing like a monster. He has, and again, this was another song, and yeah, I know that wasn't the intro. That was midway through the song. But uh, he was playing his hard house. And just, again, the practice, the rehearsal on everything that he had invested in this emotionally and personally really came through on this song. And I was so thrilled to see this one live. It was just a high point for me. Another one of many during the evening just to see him. You know, it, it wasn't like the Eddie Trunk thing where he did. I believe he did that song. Um, yeah, he did. And he's playing someone else's. He yeah, he was playing someone else's kit. And it was obviously not quite comfortable because a drummer's kit is a drummer's kit. And his DWs, he knew where everything was supposed to be on that. And he was just singing with a band and playing with a band. And, and when it out, hit a splash. Yeah, it was. Uh, and when you listen to it, Lonnie, I'm sure you can appreciate it. You know, you can just hear the groove. And classic Peter Chris just grooves. And he, he, he was just grooving throughout this song. And it was like one of my favorite moments of the show because, you know, they played on the Love Gun tour. I know, if, like you've seen Houston '77, he plays it. But just to hear it live, you know that that that's a really cool song. It's also almost like a an autobiographical song about like you know about who he was when he was growing up, and again oh, yeah. playing in front of the New York crowd and sharing who he is. It's that that's an autobiographical tune, and I just love the groove of it. It really grooves. You just you really hear him on the beat, you know, keeping the time well in that song. For sure. I mean, it's it's. Uh, yeah, it's a classic Peter Chris song. Just like you said, it's autobiographical almost because it's so. I mean, you can. I mean, you, it's, it'd be like the soundtrack to a Peter Chris movie would be on there. I mean, it's perfect. Yeah, it'll be like the first song. Like uh, they're opening it up. It's like, but like I said, I'm singing along with all the words. I remembered not to remember to say towards the end. I got a chicken salad with roast beef. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you guys are here. You guys are hearing songs like "Hooligan" in strange ways, and "I Can't Stop the Rain." At this point, you're just your minds are already freaking blown. You're only seven songs into it, so 
you get through that and we get into another Peter Chris staple song with nothing to lose. Let's play a sample of that. What's that? Okay, so Peter's more on the call-outs on this song with the other uh, band members, you know, handing a lot more of the lead vocals, you know, maybe as a duet with him. I, it's hard to really uh, get the separation there, especially when your your, your head was in there. Um, but again, it, the power of the, the brass coming through and sitting by the keyboard player, uh, Alex, you know, he was... You know, if you think of Bruce Foster back in the studio in 74, first single from the band, one of the most critically important Kiss songs, <laughs> sex. I mean, Jesus Christ. Um, and you just see this keyboard cat playing. I was totally feeding off that. Again, really, really cool performance. Yeah, and you know, look, you got nothing to lose with the horns here, and you hear it, it's just like it. It it puts adds so much breath to the song. It's just like it really brings it to life even more. And like at the beginning, like you know, I'm watching Lonnie right now, going, "Oh, awesome song." It's like that's what I, I I'm hearing it again. I'm almost like at the beginning, I'm like thinking to myself, "This is the same guy, you know, who rocked this on the Mike Douglas show in 1974." It had that sound to begin with, and then all of a sudden, the horns come in. Yep. Yeah. Again, it's like. In my mind, what something like Symphony should have sounded like is something more along those lines, but that's neither here nor there at this point. But I, that I, sound, I that know, sounds I listened to this, the, the <laughs> Symphony in like 13 years. years. <laughs> I, won't, three. I won't be listening to the Symphony anytime no. soon either. No, now, nope. Symphony, you are banished. I want this Peter Chris live album. Because that is it for me. That is the only kind of symphonic. I can't even say it. I love yeah. I love the horn. I used to play I used to play horn in high school and college, so I love hearing the horns. It hits home for me. So that's awesome. Five years of French horn here, so for sure. So you can appreciate it too. Kiss my brass. <laughs> 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 so then one solos a one not one song well. I thought out of control. Yeah. He, he played it in Australia, so you thought, well, he might stick with it, but it's still cool. You, you kind of knew it was coming, and let's get the sample out of the way. It was a song that Peter really digs, so once he said that, he had his, uh, not maracas, or I, I don't know what the thing's called, the percussion Canastus. You know, yeah. and, and, and he's just grooving around on stage. He's, you know, by this time, He's totally relaxed. He's in the New York groove. Thanks, Ace. Um, you know, he, he, he settled down into coming from behind the kit uh, back up to the mic. He's, he's doing his thing. And here's a bit of words.
it's only words. It's a troll's theme. Um, <laughs> you, you know, again, his vocals. A lot of criticisms about his last solo album, and he was on key, on point, all through the night. Simple as that. And that's not one of my favorite songs, but I really enjoyed it and appreciated it that uh, that evening. Good yeah, performance. Yeah, I agree with you, Julian. It's like not one of my top Peter Chris songs, but I certainly don't dislike it. You know, it was really nice to hear it live. I can't I can't tell you how many like people like yelling out certain songs they wanted to hear, even though they had a preordained set list. Like I, I must have yelled out "Getaway" six times, but uh, oh, that you know, was there you. were a lot of yeah. I was like. The people kept yelling by myself yeah. i think that was like the most requested song from the crowd so people really appreciate those albums it's like i was telling julian the story like in 2007 when one for all came out uh he did a signing in the city and i was a third guy online and i held up my vinyl copy of let me rock you and he was so impressed he was like where'd you get that you know you just like he was he was like when people show that they appreciate those those solo albums, like Let Me Rock You and Out of Control, I think it really touches Peter. I'm sure. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm sure that really hits home with him because he got no push in the record company at all, and people have those. I'm sure that really means a lot to him. Yeah. Yeah, you know what, Alani? It's interesting. He said that to me that day. He's like, you know, where'd you get the album? I said, I bought it in the village that week. And he said, you know what, this album like did a lot better if, uh, you know, it was disappointing how the record company handled it. Mm-hmm. No question. No question. So, Hard Luck Woman? How's yeah. that? Yeah, now this is interesting. Peter Chris singing Hard Luck Woman. No, it wasn't. That's that's the whole thing. It was not Peter oh, Chris singing. Well, hell. Maybe I'll just shut up. Uh, <laughs> okay. It was Bryce. Yeah, it was Bryce. And you know what? This was, again, another special moment. When Peter introduces the song and pretty much says that Bryce from The Sisters Doll is going to sing it, I was like, ah crap it's a song they didn't do in australia and now he's not going to even sing it and then you get into the song they're doing it and bryce i you know top performance you know great effort drummer um it was a mentoring moment for me it was peter pat it was like a representation of peter passing the baton to the next generation of singing drummers to give this kid from western australia a moment in the sun to sing his song and then peter comes in at the end and starts doing the call outs and kind of just lifting the song a, a little bit more so bryce did a fantastic job singing it. simple as that and there had been other singers you know working on the other materials during the rest of the set so it's not like it was a big deal to let him sing it but it was a dream you know it, what they said in the intro was it was bryce's dream to sing this song and Peter gave him that dream, made it come true. So, yeah, yeah. So, it, it, this is this is a moment where Peter shows, you know, how much he appreciates the fans because Bryce is obviously a fan. Yeah. And for a lot of us, you know, it'd be a dream to be on stage, you know, with our favorite band and and you know actually like maybe like play or sing a song. And this was him giving back to a fan. That that's why I enjoy Kiss tribute bands, you know, and I go to see them because I feel like they're fans who put their all into it. And this was one of those kind of moments where, you know, he wanted to give back to a guy that was not only his bandmate, but his fan. So here's a little bit of the intro to uh, Hard Luck Woman. Our drummer, who these guys flew all the way from Melbourne, right. Australia, to play with me for my last night. 
our drummer, right. is dying to sing this song. So we're going to let him do Hard Rock Woman. Yeah! Okay, and I, I want to play a little bit of Hard Luck Woman because, uh, Bryce, this is for you. Good job, mate. That's just really cool. Good job, Peter. Good job, Bryce. Yeah, it was uh, it was very cool to hear, and you know when it was going on, and uh, you can't help it as a Kiss fan, you know. But I saw Ace and Paul playing a double neck guitar, uh, you know, appearing in an apparition on stage. That was my only criticism because there wasn't a twelve string. I was like, where's the twelve? No, no twelve. All right, okay, I have to deal with it. Sorry. Shut up, Julian. <laughs> Hard luck, woman. Into Beth. Well, let's do let's do the intro to right. Beth first because yeah, let's let's, let's pe let Peter speak for himself. I think you know this song. Well, most of you people know this song. We'll we'll do it and we'll do it the right way this time. We're doing the Hall of Fame for you, and I feel so bad about that. And I wouldn't have made it there if not for you. I would not be up here today. I'm not sure know that. Forgive me, so. Just think this. We love you anyway! <laughs> so, Peter Chris, he wanted to do this the right way. And again, it comes back to the symphony, it comes back to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame for him. His opinion only, and that's the only one that matters tonight. Um, that we we didn't get a, a performance from Kiss at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction, which, when we all think back to it, regardless of the politics, um, anyone who wants to say that Peter Chris can't play a show, um, bullshit. He could play enough to do a Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction, no problem whatsoever. But it was all the politics, and I think all four members, and this includes Peter, lost all, uh, all four lost sight of the bigger picture of what it would have meant to us as fans to see them on stage. Um, and it didn't need to exclude Tommy and Eric, who are continuing to carry the banner. So we got Beth. And before we talk about it, here's some of Peter's performance, which was, if it's his last time, well, I'm glad I was there. <laughs> freaking in tears at that you know you know it wasn't just like the symphony which again that was a high point of the symphony because him with a full orchestra behind him is special regardless so i, I don't want to denigrate the mso in any way for that part of the symphony that was definitely with great expectations a high point 
but just to have him on a stage in New York City, you know, what, how far is the record plant from there, Scott? You know, not very far, is it? And, no, not, not too far, no. And, and to have him have it arranged his way and not to have to answer to anyone else in the band and have the horns, have the strings, and, and to do it, it was it was very special. Yeah, it was one of the best versions ever. Like I, I, I said, like the unplugged version, you can feel the authenticity, you can feel the emotion, and that was palpable. You know, when he did this version too, and with his speech about not playing at the Hall of Fame. You know, a lot of Kiss fans, you know, we look at it as a lost opportunity. So this was his way of maybe like, you know, at least trying to put a Band-Aid on that wound for the people that were there. Yeah, it, it certainly assuaged that very melancholy moment in history that they didn't do anything in New York for their induction or wherever the hell it was. It was in New York, wasn't it, for the induction mm-hmm. ceremony for the? Yes, uh, it was at the Barclays Center. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So yeah. you you know it, it certainly went a far a, a long way to kind of healing what could have been. Well, it, it came close. So again, another reason for Peter to release this and to have you know a soundboard version um, that everyone can enjoy that moment and share in it. Yeah, it was it, it was it was certainly a ter- terrific moment. And of course, you know he did he did the the thing where he handed roses to like you know all the ladies in the crowd. Of course. Yeah, and then through the last one, and so chat, I talked to him afterwards. I'm sorry, I don't remember your name. After all the excitement that night, you know, so handed it to uh, you know all the all the lovely girls up front, and then you know last one out into the crowd of some dudes. It's like. Yeah grabbing a bridesmaid bonnet you're not supposed to do that mate <laughs> give it to give it to a give it to a chickie right now i'm sure that was emotional though <laughs> to watch him sing that for what may be the last time yeah and you know at this point that you're getting near the end of the show we where we're, we're teetering on the brink here that uh we know the set list from australia we know that there's not much left yeah, you, so, you you know we're getting towards the end, but it's like it was so good. Like like we could just sit here and watch this all night. I mean, if you want to play all of Let Me Rock You, we'll stay here and chant yes, your name. Yes, right. I would have. <laughs> I know you would. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So. Rock and roll all night. Rock and roll all night, and again, it needs to start with a sample because again, a perfect marriage of symphonic and thunder rock. Yeah, awesome, Scott. Yeah, it was uh, it was really really cool because you had the horn section in there and everything and the keyboards, uh, it, and it kind of took me back to unplugged, you know, where like you know Paul goes, Peter, you say you want to go for a spin, you know, that was like one of my favorite things, like about how they included all the band members and some of their key their signature songs, and you got to sing Peter sing practically the whole thing here, and it was just. It was very, very cool, and of course, you know, uh, we we were we was having such a good time. We didn't even need any freaking confetti. <laughs> yeah, didn't need any pyro, no confetti cannons, no nothing. It was a rock and roll party. 
Yeah, and that's that's a description about what it was. Like people don't get it about Kiss or say that Kiss can continue on with 2.0 because of the show, etc. It's not just about the show, especially for a lot of us core fans. It's about the music, and it was this was all about the music that stood out. You know, there was there was no cat face. Didn't need it. You know, we still need, knew that he was the cat. This was about the music standing out, and that's that's why original Kiss and Kiss is so special because it's not just about the great show; it's about the great music, and that I think I you know that's what I thought during rock and roll all night. And the love and respect that Peter gave his music is again one of the the core things that was one of my takeaways from it. He loves this music; he respects it; he's at peace with it, and we get. We get to this part in the show now that, you know, that's basically the end of the show. And he, he's going to do a brief thank you, and I, I'll play you the thank you, and then I'm going to continue on with my thought. I'd like to thank my band and all these great, amazing people. you got to admit, this is getting asked. This is the way to do it. And so I say, and most important, I want to thank my lovely wife. Yeah, so most of all, he wants to thank Gigi, thank the fans, thank his cancer surgeon, thank his friends, thank the KISS fans, you know, thank everything. But here, here's the key thing to Peter Chris. He, you know, I first met him in 2003 uh, during a meet and greet at the uh, World Domination Tour. I don't remember which uh, West Coast show it was. But basically everyone... Of that meet and greet immediately flocked to Gene and Paul. And I stood with Peter and spoke with him for a good few minutes and we talked about we talked about life, truth, and he, he, he said to me, and I've said it on the show before, you know, he said, you know, there's two versions of the truth. There's there's truth and he pointed to Gene and Paul and all the people gaggling around them. He said, There's my truth and I reminded him, you know, there's the third truth, there's God's truth and he was like, Yeah man he said your number's number three right you know bring it back and and just the look on his face at that time came through and came back to me when he's saying his thanks to the crowd after rock and roll all night but then he said something you know really important and i'll just play this sample because i should and i told her you know i'd, I'd like to go out and retire with a band with music, with the real deal. Not that I don't still love my buddies. I, I have no animosity. As I forget, as I say, forgive to live. You can't carry that shit. It'll kill you. Uh, life is too damn short. Trust me. Uh, you know, you beat the beat. Everything's a piece of cake. My wife said, let's end it on a great up court. This is the best way I could say adios amigos. And yeah, so... Peter Chris's advice, you got to forgive to live and let all that shit go. Word, simple as that. Yeah, yeah it's, I, I think, I think you know, you could take a lot of that as a, as a KISS fan, too. It's like I, so many people, like, look into the band and, you know, break it down the way that we do on, on KISS FAQ. And, you know, they're always arguing, you know, and, like, criticizing band members and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, we got... 40 plus years of great stuff and 
you gotta appreciate for what it is, you know, and enjoy it for what it is. It's 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 an escape. There's enough there's enough hardships on life. We don't need to tear each other up, and, you know, and get into all these arguments on the board. It's like, you know, I I think I think it's almost like, you know, I don't want to tell you what to do, Julian, with the site, but on the board you should have kissfaq.com, uh, and then forgive to live. <laughs> you know, for, for, forget to live to win. How about forgive yeah. to live? You know, let yeah. it go. You don't have to be a blue Kool-Aid drinker, a green, a red, or a purple. How about you just drink Kool-Aid? Drink the Kiss Kool-Aid and enjoy all facets of the band. Have have your favorite member, have your favorite song, have your favorite vocalist, whatever. And it doesn't need to denigrate anyone else in the Kiss Army. How about you enjoy it? And enjoy what you enjoy, and don't feel the need to put someone else down because they like something different. That's what came out of Peter's thank you, that he was finally at peace with himself, with his legacy. No matter what happens from here on out, Peter Chris is an American icon. Everyone will you know, know in pop culture that face. Everyone will know Beth. You know, he wins in the end. You know, simple as that for you know, they may not remember his drumming, but they'll remember Beth at the end of the day. And you know, his thanks list just brought it all home to me. Um, yeah, and he said like a lot of what you said, uh, what you point to Julian is like he said, look, I have this great life and I have a great house in New Jersey and a great life, and I owe I owe it all to you guys. Yeah, he gave thanks to everyone. So if you weren't there, Peter Chris thanked you personally that night. Yeah, that's the. That that's the upcoming part of this story, which I don't want to spoil. <laughs> All right, Lonnie. So the show's over. What happens? It's not over because he. Well, there's sing sing sing. Yep. He he play he pays tribute to and and this was the thing in Australia that bothered me first that he ended. If this is going to be the last song he performs live, he didn't perform a Kiss song last. He played. Louis Prima's Sing Sing to a tribute to Peter's influence to you know this goes back to the Metropole and getting pointers on drumming technique from a guy who was pretty old at that point and not totally healthy but to someone who was important to Peter for Peter to end his career playing a little bit of uh, Sing 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 and uh, let me just tell you a little bit about this clip that I'm going to play right now it's um, you know it's a recording of obviously Peter's performance but uh, as a little bit of a homage homage to uh, Alive I've added some phaser into his drum solo hear that when i punch that back in in uh, post-production but uh you know to be sitting there that night i i was just this encapsulated peter chris to me that he brought everything back at the end to the beginning and everything that was important to him there was no frank sinatra it was gene krupa 
and everything that he'd meant to him and to Vinny Apice, who was also present, and the New York drummers of the early 60s, mid-60s, that uh, were contemporary to Peter. I, th- I thought it was classy. And also the amount of energy that he still had. I, I know some people on the board have kind of picked apart it. Well, you know what? Fuck you. Um, th- there was more to it than that when you were there, when you were enveloped in the moment. You, you can take it apart after the fact, but in the moment, it was special. It was meaningful. It was Peter brought his story full circle at that point. And if that is the end for him, and who knows? Uh, I know there's been some talk of maybe him taking this to Europe or Japan or maybe elsewhere. That's not going to bother me if he does, because I think the more people who get to experience this show is a wonderful thing. It'll make you appreciate him even more. But if that was it, then fucking A. No doubt. I I saw this show like Julian just put his finger on on the pulse perfectly, but I saw this show as like... You know, if they were, like, make some movies about his life, like you said, Lonnie, like, this would be, like, the final chapter, you know, the small club in New York, uh, smaller club in New York, and, you know, I almost want him to revise his book now and put out a revised edition with this chapter of this show in it, because, you know, this is, this is, like, I want to go back and read his book now, because this was... When, when Peter was playing the drums, I said, this this is coming first full circle who he is. This is the kid that he always tells a story about banging on the pots and pans, growing up listening to Gene Krupa. And he's going out how it all started, by listening to Gene Krupa and wanting to be Gene Krupa. And that, I, I thought that was perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does make me want to go back and read Peter's book after listening to you guys and how much of a fantastic experience it must have been from start to finish. Yeah. yeah, it was a it was a great way to like put a cap on his career. If he doesn't play again, you know, this is this was like the perfect ending. Uh, you know, he's yeah, he's he's lived he's lived quite a quite a life, and you know, to go out like this on his own terms, you know, he did it he did it perfectly. Yeah, what what a way to walk away from it while he can. Let's put it that way. He's picked the opportunity to say. This is my farewell. I want to walk away from this on a high note while I can. I've seen all these rock stars dropping dead over recent years, be them the Lemmys, the Ronnie James Dio's. This resonates with Peter. He's an emotional cat. You know, he's seen these guys drop and go and not be able to say goodbye or farewell on his terms. And that's what comes across to me. You know, I, I'm, I'm not going to speak for him. He speaks for himself. This is my interpretation of, you know, kind of what I feel he's saying to us as KISS fans is that he has the opportunity to walk away and leave this as his final gift to us after 40 years of presence. Well, yeah. What what a way to walk away from it and put down those drumsticks right at the end after giving you sing sing sing, which means so much to him. And the big yeah. thing is is going out on his terms, you know, not only musically but terms of like his choice. When he was let go from Kiss after that final tour, that's not how he wanted to go out. That's not how he wanted to end things. He wanted to end things on his own terms, not from a phone call from one of the other band members, you know, well, telling him that he's done. It's not it, – he was basically saying, look, it's not up to Gene and Paul when I'm done. You know, it's up to me when I'm done, and this is how I'm going to do it, and I have a ton of respect for that. 
You're not mm-hmm. writing my last chapter for me. I am writing my last chapter and sealing it with an exclamation mark. You say I can't drum? Well, watch me, motherfuckers, because he drummed the hell out of that kit that night. He sang the hell out of the material. He put so much effort into preparing for these shows, it came across. Total respect. Simple as that. Good for him. Good for him. You know. So, what happens next? Yeah. So what? What happens next? You know where? Confusion. Con- yeah, complete and utter confusion. I head downstairs. Uh, I meet up with a chap. You know, go down and see. You know, if we can present this uh, book to Peter. Um, he's getting his dinner. He's beat. He, you know, he, he said it during the show. He's sick as a dog. He hadn't felt good. He went to get some dinner. And you know, after what we do, what do we wait? Probably at about an hour. You know, they're about. Yeah, that, uh, uh, yeah. You know, we were conf- we were confused that whole time though because we were like, we heard he's going to come back out. We didn't know if he's going to come back out. Julian says, I'm going to go downstairs and check because, like, the bathroom was, like, right by, you know, where the dressing rooms were, downstairs, down this long flight of stairs. And Julian's like, I don't think he's coming back. I'm going to leave. And Julian, I don't want to spoil it, but I have to, like, inject this conversation. He said, let's go, Julian. They're like, nobody's downstairs. Everybody seems like they're gone. Let's just go. You know, it's like so, – so then I go over to, to – uh, you know, to uh, talk to a friend who runs this uh, f- great Facebook site called Ace Fraley Ozone, my f- my friend John. And I said, John, I'm going to leave. I'll talk to you later. He goes, what are you talking about? Leave. Peter's right up there in the front. And I go back over to Julian. I said, Peter's right up there in the front. He's like, where? Where? Like, and, uh, and then I'll let you take it from there. Yeah, so we nearly walked out in the middle of uh... – Peter coming back upstairs to uh, kind of hobnob with the uh, the peons. So, you know, we'd hung out and chatted with uh, Nately. Good to meet you, by the way. You know, with other fans, had good conversations. It had just stretched on, and, you know, I'd heard maybe he's going to come back up. With him feeling under the weather, I, I, I wasn't hopeful. But he did. A lot of people already left, thankfully. And we headed over to, to actually leave, and there he is. He's, you know, by the bar doing, starting to, you know, talk with people and do pictures. Um, and Ralph, who's a really good handler, taking care of him, you know, he's like, everyone go back to your seats, or, you know, he, he's not going to do nothing. So, like, well, he's still here, I'll fucking go back and wait as long as it takes, you know, because one last yeah. opportunity, I've still got this book. I, I said it from the beginning. I don't care how it gets to him. If I get to give it to him tonight, great. If I get to give it to Gigi to give to him, great. If I get to give it to someone else to give to him, great. If I have to put it in the mail after the fact, doesn't matter. It wasn't about me giving it to him. It was about him getting it. So we go back and... By, by the way, Julian, just to quickly interject there, though, for one part of the story, we see that Peter's, like, taking the time to greet every single person in the crowd and take pictures with him. So Ralph says to us, you know, he says, you guys got to go back to your seats, otherwise it's not going to happen, right? So I say to Julian, I say, we were sitting over there on the left side of the stage, but let's strategically position ourselves on the other end of under the column where Peter's about to come next and just – Sit in those seats there and wait for him. Yep. And and, and it worked out well. You know, he came around. Um, Gigi was very helpful and obliging. Took our cameras for us to take pictures with Peter. Um, it, it was great because uh, 
you know, I had my arm around Peter and she was talking to someone else. So I was just talking to Peter, you know, thanking him for a great performance, you know, great show, loved hearing the stuff, got to, you know, tell him. And then she's like, hey, hey, you know, have you forgotten something? You know, don't forget the book. And I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, get the book, and, you know. <laughs> Peter, you know, here's a token of our appreciation. We've managed to put together a bunch of people who've, uh, you know, handwritten or sent in messages that we've bound up and, you know, presented to him. And, uh, you know, Gigi explained to him, you know, the, you know, these are people's, you know, personal feelings about you. He's like, yeah, man, that's really cool. I love that. You know, and uh, got a great picture with him. You got a great picture with him. And, you know, he spent so much time with everyone. He was just completely relaxed, so chill took all the time in the world with everyone there to get photos you know here you want to get someone else in you know come you know do the do the picture and and ralph and Gigi kept things moving cool as well it was just so i didn't expect him with hearing how he was feeling to come back up and make that time and effort with everyone when you know so many people had left as well so if you happen to leave well we just got lucky that we were leaving and uh whoop there he was and what what a nice end to the evening just to you know I, I i got to give him a hug and say thank you to him and Gigi in person in uh la in january but to you know say it again after such an outstanding and amazing live performance was icing on the cake without a doubt yeah it was very interesting my experience with him was and Gigi took all the pictures for everybody which was terrific of her and you know i, I put my arm around peter and i said you know, because I felt like Kiss had gotten through me a lot of tough times in my life. I said, I don't know if I would be here without you. So thanks for doing this. And he said, what are you talking about? I wouldn't be here without you, he, he said to me. And then we had a, he, I told him how much I enjoyed the show. He talked about exactly what we're talking about here, about going out on his own terms and doing it how he wanted to do it. And then when Julian, like, handed him the book, they started playing uh, Beth over the loudspeakers, and he got a little emotional about that. Made some funny comments, and then and then he, he says, he, you know, like, and he's talking and joking with me, like after like, while Julian's talking to uh, to Gigi about the book. And then when he gets the book, he says, like, when Gigi explains to him just exactly what's in it, he says his exact words, and I quote, "I will cherish this." Yeah. And then. And then he, he, he starts joking about how tired he is, and he goes, boy, this was some night. He said, if they want to do a reunion again, it's really going to have to be something. So then I, then I said, yeah, it's going to have to be fair baseball, right, Peter? And he looks at me and goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. He starts laughing. He goes, fair baseball, and he shakes my hand again. <laughs> so, Gene, That's Paul, fantastic. if word gets back to you, if you want to do something with a cat, do it soon. Don't wait. Put that shit behind you. Just think of what it means to the fans, not what it means to the checkbook. You know, we, we've heard Gene uh, has floated the idea of a final show being free. Well, how about you charge good money for the tickets, but split it equally between the four? How about that? Yeah, if it's not about the money, split it equally. Split it equally. Forget everything else. If you're going to go out and you want to go out as the way you came in, uh, you know, as a band, as the original four, and again, no disrespect to Eric and Tommy or any for, a former member of the band. You got to finish it how you started it. Simple as that. Do it while you can, um, because Peter brought it. Yeah, he he certainly did. And then like after that, like 
Gigi came over to both of us and like gave us hugs and made sure we, that we had a good time and which was really cool of her. She's a very very nice warm person and I very much appreciate what she does for Peter and respected a hell of a lot and you know thank Julian and everything and it was it was just very cool though to see like the relationship that she has with Julian and how much she appreciates him and everything. It's it it's 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 very very cool. Well, respect to the cat. Simple as that. Yeah, for sure. All right, Lonnie, lead us out. I think we're let, let's wrap this one up. Yeah. Well, thank you guys for your recap of the show. I mean, only 275, maybe 300 people got to see it. So to get two people's firsthand experience um, from an intimate night with Peter Chris, which could be his last performance ever, time will tell. But fantastic. Thank you guys for 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 sharing with everyone here. And Julian, I hadn't read your review yet because I wanted to get it from you firsthand before I even read your review that you posted online. So um, I'll read that when I get home tonight. But thank you guys for for your input and for sharing with us. So, And I just um, want to say thanks to you guys for having me. You know, it was a real honor and pleasure to be on with you guys. You know, I love the FAQ. As for how many people that were there, I'm sure Nibbler1982 will uh, have some <laughs> friendly debates about that. And, uh, you know, really, really, really enjoyed being part of this. Uh, and, again, you know, for anybody who plays fantasy football out there, you know, check me out at rotoexperts.com. And, uh, you know, I'll be running my KISS Fantasy Football League again this year uh, if anybody wants to get into it. Sounds good. So let me pimp a couple of sites as well while we're wrapping up here. Sistersdollband.com. Check them out. They're on iTunes. They have a new album. These guys work their asses off for Peter in Australia and in New York. You know, let's give them some respect. Check out their album. You know, throw throw, throw some bucks their way if you can. You know, it's always appreciated to an artist. Remember what it was like for Kiss when they were starting out? Well, this is the next generation. Um as for my final words on this is the first words out of the introduction before Sisters Doll came out were this show is being filmed and recorded. If you don't want to be on it, leave now. Um, so let's hope that the recording came out as good as my recording came out. And, uh, you know, <laughs> you know when, when I saw them hooking up the GoPros, uh, the, the video cameras all over the place to instruments, I'm just really hopeful that they got something good they can fix. I can't stop the rain or leave it because it's an emotional, you know, in, in the day and age of reality TV. I mean, he probably doesn't, emotionally. Want, yeah, he probably doesn't want it being imperfect, but, uh, you know, it wasn't the end of the world, and it it, it really bespoke uh, the importance and of the moment. But uh, huh. well, we thank you for listening. Do chime in on this topic um, wherever you do listen to us, whether it's Spreaker or iTunes. Do rate us there, and uh, we will see you next time. So thanks for now. Bye now. Yo, this is New York. Yeah. <laughs> Night falls on
Thank you. Thank you for spending time listening to the KISS FAQ podcast today. All sales are final. There are no refunds. If you'd like, look us up on Facebook or come over to the KISS FAQ message board and discuss the topic we've broadcast today. Don't forget to rate us on iTunes, Spreaker, or wherever you've listened to the show. We hope you'll join us again.